to the All for God Soul Deo Gloria podcast. Today I have Lisa Van Mike. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm great, Chloe. Thank you for asking. How are you? Great. Um, before we get started, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. So my name again is Lisa Van Wyck. I'm originally from Florida, Pompano Beach, Florida, which is just north of Fort Lauderdale. And um, I moved up to the Appleton, Wisconsin area when I was 19 years old, when I met um, a person named Tim, who is now my husband. And I have, um, I am married to Tim and have two children, Peter and Nikki, who are both in college right now. And I am a basketball coach and I am a, the president and owner of Blaze Sports and Fitness and Wisconsin Blaze, uh, AAU basketball and ball, club volleyball teams. Lots of, I, I do a lot. So that's just a little bit of me. Yes, and content. So, if you guys were curious to know how I know Lisa, it's because of basketball through the otters. Um, I got to meet her, and you know, then awesome if I got to play for you. But unfortunately, it does seem it's gonna be like two hours away. But I think it's awesome that we got to meet you because now you get to be on the podcast. And as yeah. you said, you're a coach, so. I don't know if I've said this before, but with coaches, I'm always interested to get to talk about Jesus or the Bible to their players. And you coach a club team, so it's probably a little bit different. How much are you able to spread the coaching setting, such as the one you're in? Yeah, you know, that is a great question, Chloe, because being um, we are a faith-based organization, but we don't outrightly um, run like devotions or anything like that before games or practices. But what I do is I live for the Lord in everything I do and say as I do it. So sometimes it just happens. Um, I'll share um, what I know to be God's truth in heart and mind and words through my practices, through my meetings with people. So for example, I had a meeting with a young lady, actually a volleyball, a senior in high school, a volleyball player who was really trying to figure out what she wanted to do next and where to go in college. And as we were talking and, and I was getting to know her some more and her mom was with us too, I was just, I noticed that she started saying, well, I, I like art, but I don't think you can really do much with it. And then she started saying some other things she liked, then she'd say, but, and then things like that. And, and when I go through life coaching with our athletes, it, when I hear either questioning remarks, um, things that they are not sure of about themselves or their life or their path and direction, I always bring it back to who God made them and created them to be. So I just, even in that moment and in that conversation that continued to open up, I shared with her how, you know, God wants her to live out who she is and and not to be afraid of the passion that he's instilled in her and and if she continues to kind of close those doors she'll never realize and question her ability or what really could come from it she'll never realize all that she could do and be in that moment and in that path and be all that God has wanted to be because really God can use you in any way. Like even Chloe for you in this podcast, you know, God could speak to people through a podcast, through basketball. Um, so it, it's, it's all about being the best you you can be and living for God in the moment. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as we are always connected with him, I feel like God's spirit will talk to us in that moment and will reveal to us in that moment what those doors are and what those opportunities are. So I really take it one day at a time and meet people where they're at um, when they need help, suggestions, or they're, they're really discouraged. That's when I always bring God into the picture because I feel like he is always our hope and our answer. Mm -hmm. That is definitely great. I I love hearing that because um, I've interviewed a lot of people that have something to do with coaching a sport, and a lot of them say, um, you know, they can't really talk so much about it. 
like at a public school where they're coaching. So they mm-hmm. can't exactly openly just talk about it, but they can bring in, you know, the virtues from the Bible and talk about those kinds of things. And um, some schools are even can have like FCA people come and talk. So I think that's awesome. Always interesting to learn um, how how much a person can talk about Jesus to other people in whatever job it is that they're pursuing. Yeah. Now, something that I've always been interested in doing when I'm older is coaching basketball. What led you to become a coach and what is your favorite thing about coaching? Ooh, that's another great question. So what led me to coaching and my favorite thing about coaching? So what's yeah. Okay, so when I was younger, I had a really uh, tough upbringing, tough home life. Um, This came from a very dysfunctional family where my father was an alcoholic, um, so I didn't have a very good um, like upbringing. There was a really a lot of strife throughout the years. Um, my mother and my brothers were physically uh, abused, um, and my mom was working three jobs to keep me in a private Christian school, and my brother the same, although he was in and out of different schools. And so um, my I, she she worked hard to pay the extra money to put me in a private school because she felt that the public schools in Florida were um, not very safe and she wanted me to be around positive people and a good environment and to always get that faith upbringing in throughout my day. And so, um, so it was my coaches. Um, I played volleyball, basketball, and softball. And it was my coaches and my teachers who really were huge influences in me to help me feel and understand what normalcy was like in life and what um, how God could could make life better, how God could provide what I was looking for in terms of peace um, and understanding of my situation. And so as I got older and I went into college and I thought I was going to go to on to be a doctor, but I really wasn't sure. And one thing led to another. I I ended up over the years, I focused on biology and chemistry as my my majors and ended up actually also getting a master's in microbiology. But I ended up by my third and into my fourth year decided to, actually by my third year, I decided to, in college, I decided to become a teacher. So I started taking uh, classes towards my secondary education degree. So I ended up with uh, biology and chemistry major and minor and um, double minored with health and um, had that high school license. So then I went on to be a high school teacher myself. And because of my experience as an athlete through high school and college, I I wanted to provide the same support and influence in others using teaching and using coaching uh, as a means of loving on people and helping them in their life. Mm -hmm. And I I love that, you know, a lot of people are Christians come from like a very rough background and they've learned to grow through Christ because they Christ is a person that you can go to when you need help because mm-hmm. humans aren't perfect. We always are going to make mistakes. We're always going to sin, but Jesus made a way perfect. So we can always go to him for help whenever we need it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I do. Feel, yeah. I do feel like you said that it, it sometimes it's during those very hard times that you understand the greatness of God and how powerful his love is. And, and when you go, like when I've gone through those hard times in life, it has only made me much more compassionate for others who may be experiencing the same um, thing that I did later on in life. And maybe in that moment when I'm experiencing it, I'm still learning about that, that hardship and God is still teaching me through it. But then later on in life, I remember, those times and I can I can use my experiences to better show God's strength and power through those hard times. Yes. And you 
had a hard time, like we said, and you learned to grow from that. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice? Because I've watched and read a lot of books and a lot of times people that end up as atheists are because something bad happened to them in their lives and they were once Christians. Yeah. What would be your advice for, you know, remaining strong in your faith through hard things instead of turning away from God? Really deep. <laughs> so yeah, that is a great, great, great question because there have been different times in my life where I have asked, okay, do I truly believe what I believe? Why, and why do I believe? And why am I so adamant that God is real? And it, it, when my when my faith has been tr like severely tested, when I've just felt just the crush and the weight of the world on me, there there was a time that I always seem to go back to where for me. I can say I heard the voice of God. And some people might think that's a little crazy, but yeah, you gotta be a little crazy when, when you're a Christian and you have such deep faith because you've experienced so much. But I had gone through a time in my life where I, I had just gone through a, a great, great dep depression. And I had continually for a very, very long time had for years asked God, you know, what is it that you want life? What is it that you want to do or be or say? Because it, there was nothing more than, that I wanted than to live my life for God and to share his message and his good news. And one night, and I am not exaggerating, I, I prayed for 45 minutes straight prayed for 45 minutes straight. And I was sitting in my bed and I said, Lord, I am not stopping <laughs> until you tell me, until I know clearly and I hear from you. And it, after that 45 minutes, I can say I heard the voice of God. And he said, it, it, it was this voice that just seemed to come out of nowhere. And it wasn't from my mind and it wasn't from the TV because it was off and there was nobody else in the house. But I heard his voice say, get to know me more, get to know me more. And, and, I, and I found that so interesting because it wasn't do this and it wasn't do that. It wasn't go get this job or, you know, go talk to this person. It was about getting to know him more. And it was so, it was a very almost scary, but loving voice all wrapped in at once. And I just think about how the Bible talks about God's awesomeness and his strength and his power to the point where if we truly saw the face of God, like Moses did, it would change us forever. Like his hair changed color and, or God, through a burning bush like the power of his voice and his presence would just stop us in our tracks and that's how it was for me that night when I heard his voice because it was so big and so glorious and so powerful and when and, and as I think back to it how how true is that, that in everything in life it's always about him and who he is and his glory and it's not about it's not never about our works. It's always about getting to know him more. Yes. Because when we, when we get to know him more, Chloe, we know more about us. And, 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 it's, when, and the more we learn about us, the more we learn about him and, and who he is to us. So I just found that so profound that anytime, at least for me, when I start to question or when people start to think about their faith, I always say, you know what, what would, I know this is like cliche and it would be, what would Jesus do, right? You have those bands, what would Jesus do? But really it's about not, not what would he do, but it's who is he? And I, and I think if we go back to the word of God, because there's so much media, there's so many voices out in the world, there's so much news that's truth and lies and people say this and they say that. It's like if we, if we, and we can, not if, but we can count on the word of God being truth. If we go back to that, 
I think we'll always be able to find the answer in his voice. His voice is dynamic through the Bible. And I think once we compare it to everything else that it, that's in the world, we will know beyond a shadow of doubt that he is real. Mm-hmm. That is great. I That is such an incredible story that happened to you. And I, I, a lot of people think that because when you read the Bible, there's all these different people that, you know, they heard God speak to them. And then nowadays, you know, it's not as often that people will hear God speak to them because now we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves through us, but it's not as often that people will hear the voice of God talking to them. So that's an incredible, that's a, that's just incredible experience that happened to you. And I, I'm just, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, I remember thinking, and I still do to this day, that just the sound of it was enough to last multiple lifetimes. It was enough for me to know it was real, to that I wouldn't ever have to question it again, where I'm like, okay, God, will you talk to me this time? It was like, nope. That one time was enough that it resonated with my soul that I just knew beyond a shadow of doubt it was him. And I think you, you make such a great point. Um, in that people have heard the voice of God and in the Bible, there's different stories about that. And and they were everyday people. It wasn't like they were any more special than anyone else. I mean, they're just people in the Bible. They were just real people. And, and, and hearing the voice of God is just one way that God speaks to us. He really speaks to us in so many different ways. And, and if we in that moment just trust that it was him and we put our faith in that because sometimes we'll be like, oh, I know this happened and it was for him. And then we're like, well, maybe they didn't. And I think that doubt God tells us don't, don't doubt, you know, the, the wind, the, the sail blowing in the wind where it goes back and forth, but be firm in his word um, and his majesty. And it's that confidence we can have in him that we can know our path forward. Wow. Yeah, that is awesome. That's just incredible. Because like, like I said, and like you're saying, I think that's a lot of times that's why some people doubt is because in the Bible, like we've been saying, there are so many different stories about, you know, God speaking to Moses or Abraham, just so many different examples of it happening. And people forget that that can happen today. And so, yeah, it's just incredible. And I think, I don't know, that's just an incredible story. And as you're saying, you know, social media can be a big thing that teens struggle with. And I want to talk about social media for a little bit because and influencers, because there are so many different people out there, you know, call themselves influencers or whatever. And a lot of times um, they can be influencing good things. But a lot of times there's these people that you look up to and then they start influencing people trying to get them to do the wrong thing and I think that's what makes it so incredibly sad is because we have these people out there that are so highly influential on others and they 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 don't exactly sometimes it doesn't seem like they really think about how they want to um, influence people so I just want to know uh, what are your thoughts on social media and how to go through it and know what's godly and what's not and what to think about people like influencers and whatnot oh. what do you think about that you 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 have so many good questions <laughs> Chloe so I, I just thank you for asking those really profound questions and the ones that are so important for today so that social media is is huge um, people are influencers and social media is just a tool to it's a megaphone it's a way that we can reach so many people and I Reminds me of where I forget exactly the Bible reference and how God says, you know, as teachers, um, we are going to be held accountable for what we say and what we preach and what we what we teach others. Um, because our because as a teacher, as a coach, you will have so many people that you will influence in your life. But now you add in social media, everybody really in a way, is a teacher. Everybody is an influencer. And your megaphone, your reach, your outreach gets huge so, so quickly. And so people can have a thousand, a hundred or a thousand followers so easily, or now 10 or a hundred thousand or millions of followers if you're, 
you know, LeBron James or uh, Tom Hanks or um, J-Lo. So, um, so understanding the power of that platform and the power of your words is so important. And uh, so tell me your question again. So I make sure I answer it exactly the way. So I just want to know, you know, like what your thoughts are on social media, what you think about it. Is it a relatively good thing, relatively bad? What do you think about influencers? And what do you think about, you know, the things that they do, like how they, what they influence people to do? Stop like I was saying with the, the vastness of that platform, the reach, it, it's both good and bad. So we it's good in the sense that you can reach many people, but if it's not used wise, wisely, um, if there are influencers who aren't speaking truth, then it, then it is bad. Then it can influence people in a negative way. And I think that is why it's so important that Chloe, people like you, people like me, that we get on these platforms, that we don't, I, Twitter or or Telegram or Facebook aren't in, in themselves evil. It, they're not in themselves evil. It's the people who are spreading the evil that's evil. And so more than anything, we have to participate and partake and have our voices to bring the light in those areas. Otherwise, how will people who are out there and using these platforms hear the truth? And when I think of influencers, you know, there's there's pastors, women, men, there's um, great coaches who are using these platforms to spread good goodness um, and good words and truth and, and great values. But then it's, but then there isn't, there's other people who I can say, Oh, it drives me a little crazy. You can go on my Twitter feed and you can see the last basketball person. I was like, uh, uh, (laughs) no, I don't agree with what you're saying. Um, I don't say it like that, but I, I try to be as, um, as positive in my, in my responses as possible. But I think when people say that, oh, I'm not a role model, I think they just don't get it. So when we have professional basketball players saying, nope, you know, that's people, people should or shouldn't listen to me. I, it's just my thoughts or my emotions. Like, absolutely not. Once we start opening our mouth, we influence people and we're, we're a model, whether it's a good model or a bad model. And that's how God created the world with his words. And so our words, every single bit of our words matter in what we say. And I think it's important that people are held accountable to that, that people understand that they do have great influence, whether or not they think they do or they are influencers, they are. And whether or not they influence a million people or one person in a relationship, let's say just you and your friend, you are influencing somebody with your words and your beliefs, your values, your thoughts. And so to be so in tuned and to be certain of your values is huge. Yes. And I think that something that's really important for Christians to remember when you're seeing this stuff is that everybody sins. Nobody is perfect. So when you do see people um, saying bad stuff, you can't be judging them. And if you see a Christian, um, for example, um, I really look up to the Robertsons, the from mm-hmm. Dynasty. They're some of my favorite people. And mm-hmm. it, one of them, I think it was Corey, she posted, you know, like, congratulations um, to Biden for being president. And um, she said, I'll be praying for you. And I just thought that was great because even though he's not a Christian and he might not believe the same things that we believe, she's still respecting him because he's still somebody that God put over us. And 
it says in the Bible to respect the elders, respect people who are over you. And even if we don't necessarily agree with what those people say, we need to remember that God put them there for a reason and we can learn from them and we still need to respect them. And I thought that's something so great about that. And there was a lot of comments that were like, how can you be a Christian and support President Biden and stuff like this? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, she's just saying that she'd be praying for him and to make right decisions because, you know, presidents have to make lots of decisions. And so I just thought that was something that I wanted to add on to there, that as Christians, we need to remember not to be judging people for stuff like that, because we have to remember that we all sin in our own ways. And that was something I just wanted to add on to that. No, I I think that is so true. And it's a great point because that's one thing I think we really have to be careful of as Christians is that in our responses to people, we are not judgmental. And so I agree with you with her posting that there is nothing wrong with that because you can pray for someone. I mean, God says, pray for your enemies. So we can for someone, even if we don't agree with maybe what they say or do, but we still have to treat others with respect. Otherwise, if we don't show others how we could we can interact, then others will never learn how someone who is a Christian or should be a Christian in a certain way can respond and deal with adversity and evil and those who might be um, approaching life in a different manner. I think with everything, I remember God says to speak with grace and truth um, to, oh, you probably know this one, to, to, to salt, you say to salt your words, I better just look it up real quick on <laughs> Google, um, but that with everything that we should always watch our speech and our words when interacting with others. Mm -hmm. And another reason that that's really important is how we say things is because if you're a Christian and you're constantly shaming other people because they are sinning or they make a mistake, then when they look at you, they're not going to want to be like you. They don't want to, like, if they're somebody who wants to live right, they want to make good decisions. Maybe they're not necessarily a Christian yet, but they still are trying to do the right thing in life. I would say that if you are constantly shaming people or being mean to somebody, like when they see you do that, then they're not going to want to be a Christian because they think that that must be how all Christians act. So how you act and how you respond in situations is as a Christian is always really important because other people watching you are like they're looking and they're seeing, you know, you're acting. They want to know if you're acting like righteously or if you're not acting righteously. So I think that's something, another thing that's important to add on to there. Yeah. And I agree. And, and that Bible verse I found is, is from Colossians 4, 6, that says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Yes, that's definitely a great Bible verse. Always remembering, you know, that you are respecting everybody and being very kind no matter what the situation is. And this can be really hard to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So my question is, you know, how to um, answer in these situations. And I have an example because um, I've had to deal with a lot of adversity, especially here in Arizona, because... Um, I'm a lot older now than I have been in other places and I was homeschooled a lot. So I didn't really see much of anybody. And I was at the park one time and this girl comes and she starts making fun of me, not just me, but she starts mocking my teammates, mocking my dad. And, you know, I got really mad and you as a sinner is to get angry and start yelling and saying mean things back to her and so I had to bite my tongue and I didn't really respond but because we were on the court sometimes if you're in a situation like that you can let your actions speak louder than your words so for me it was just trying not to let her get to me and just keep playing my game and not letting because trying that she wasn't getting to me what she wasn't affecting me and a lot of times that it can be something that's really hard to do so what would you say would be your advice for dealing with situations 
similar to that in every single teen's life. Well, that's that's great. So um, I I agree. I think when you're on the court, you know very well, Chloe, that part of the game is to try and take people out of their element and and help them crumble, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. And more than anything, the opponent has uh, an advantage over you when they see you break down, when they see you get angry, when they see you can't um, handle a pressure or words that they say, or, or if you get scratched or you get pulled or anything. But if you can stay composed in those moments, in those situations, it starts to get back at them. Definitely starts to get back at them. And, and it's a reminder that, hey, it doesn't matter what you say or think or do um, about to me or say about me that my, uh, my standard is set by God. And so what you say or think or do doesn't matter. It's what God thinks and what God says. And so for us to continually be reminded of that, even in those moments on the court, um, because they they don't have to bother us. It doesn't have to impact us. Now, off the court, I'd have to say, <laughs> I have been in situations where I have had to speak to people uh, because I've seen people either say or do things. And that's one reason why I started The Blaze, because I've experienced athletes being mistreated or their spirits broken uh, and and or people just treating each other poorly. And God has taught me over time that there are going to be times where I need to stand up and speak out. And, and, and it's okay to do. And but like we were saying before, let your words be seasoned with salt, with grace and truth. And if we can come to people always in love and out of love, and we speak words from that heart and mindset, I think in those moments that are very um, tense, we don't have to yell, we don't have to scream, we just need to speak truth to them and be firm and bold and confident and convicted in our words and speech. And we can make an impact without elevating those situations that where people want to start to fight or yell or scream. And I go back to, and I think of the Bible verse, I have to look it up again, the, the reference, but where, where Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yes, this is good. No, this is not good. And that's it. And when people resolve to speak truth, it it rings out loudly. So for example, I was in um, a tournament this last weekend and the the tournament director, great guy. He, I've known him for a number of years, but the schedule just kept getting messed up. The courts got behind and our 17 new boys ended up uh ended up coming back on sunday um to play a second day when they were supposed to but then we're told we're getting rid of your fourth game so stay home on saturday night don't come back and long story short our boys ended up coming back because a team ended up backing out in our 17 u division and so our boys are playing this fourth game and it ended up they so they ended up filling someone else's spot which was a game that was supposed to go into the championship so whoever won this game was supposed to move on to the championship game and one of my directors and basketball managers had came to talk to me to tell me that the director had told him the game wouldn't matter that even though our boys were playing this semifinal game to get to the championship, they were told since they didn't originally earn it, they they were not going to be able to go on and that this game meant nothing. And ah, uh, I was not happy when I heard that because everything we do matters. And to tell these young men who just drove an hour and a half to two hours to this game that and even the other boys who were there who rightly made their, their spot in that championship game, that what they were doing in their game didn't matter floored me because why then keep the score? 
why then work how as hard as we do to get to this point if it doesn't matter? So, so I ended up speaking with the director and I, I told him this and that and why I, I, I pretty much gave him my dissertation on why that was the wrong decision to make. And um, one of the reasons why he agreed with me was because he allowed that to happen in another division where a 12U team, same thing, they filled in for someone else and they were and they ended up winning that game and moving on to the championship game. And so to run it two different ways didn't make sense. And so I said, I, you know, if you don't want to, I'll go speak to the coaches themselves. One was our Blaze coach and one was another coach from the Milwaukee area. And at halftime, I went uh, to them and said, hey, guys, I spoke to the director and he agrees. Nope whoever wins this game will move on to the championship. And that Milwaukee coach was not happy. So he started arguing, um, getting upset. And again, I said, I let, I let my yes be yes. My no be no. I said, Nope, that doesn't make any sense. And I told him, I listed the reasons why it doesn't make sense. And he ended up agreeing to it. And in another situation, what, what I later heard was that before I got there, before the game started, it had elevated and there was arguing going on and, and, and it just may not have been handled well originally. And I think when we can just tap into God's word and truth in those moments that can be very heated, that truth will ring out. We never have to be elevated, even though inside we might be real angry. But like God said, let your yes be yes, your no be no, because truth will ring out. Yes, definitely. And I I definitely, definitely some hard situations. So I agree, you know, if you're, let's say you're in a public school situation or you're just in a school, I guess it could be a private school, and you're around other people, and they give you a hard time about something and they're not being nice to you and you're not, maybe you're not, um, maybe your gift from God isn't necessarily sports. Maybe he's gifted you to do something else. I think that if you're in a situation and, you know, it's not like where you're on the court, you don't have to say anything. You can just, you know, do your thing. I think that what I would say is that, if per, me personally, I would probably talk back. I mean, I'd probably, <laughs> I mean, that might not be the best decision. Mm -hmm. I might get a little angry and say something I shouldn't, but I would, I would say that try to respond in a good way. So like if somebody is, you know, doing what I was saying, this one girl was doing to me and my friends and they're like mocking you and making fun of you, you can just be like, uh, hey, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you are trying, like, not being nice to me. Can you just stop, please? Or, and think of it this way, is something that I learned is a lot of time that when people are mocking you or your friends or your family, a lot of times they're either, one, going through something tough in their life, or two, they're just jealous. Like, that's just the truth. If that, if somebody's bothering you for that reason, um that's why they're doing it it's not you personally my most of the time it has to do with them it doesn't have anything to do with you is what I would say and I learned later that the person that wasn't being really nice to me she was having a hard time with her personal life and in my opinion she wasn't making very good decisions but her, she was having um some struggles with her parents at her home life and I think it's just important to remember that a lot of times it's not doesn't have something necessarily to do with you it's not like they just don't like you it's that something is going on with their own lives so don't feel like you did something wrong or that it's your fault that this is happening to you that's something that I think is important for you guys to remember in every that you go through yeah, excellent. I have to back that up. Uh, you, in speaking about that, I think, so I was like, 
like you and what you experienced, I was bullied as a kid and I will never forget those moments and how I felt. And then when I saw other kids being, being bullied, I always spoke up for them. And like you said, you don't have to get crazy. You don't have to scream or yell, but to speak up and stand up. And I think of Jesus, like Jesus came to earth to speak up for us. He was like the ultimate bully repellent, I feel. He was the ultimate uh, person who stood up for us so that we knew um, how we should be treated or not treated. We knew what life should be or should not be like. And he's the one who was our great example of who came even to the church, to the church people who weren't speaking truth and who were treating others improperly. And he he spoke up and he he held his ground and he held them accountable with his words. And they didn't like that. I mean, that's why, that's one reason why he was brought to Pilate and he was brought um, to be sacrificed because they hated him for speaking truth. They hated him for standing up um, for others. And, and another thing that what you said reminded me of is that um, when you talked about uh, people, you know, who you realize um what they're what they're saying and doing sometimes it's out of jealousy sometimes they're broken sometimes they're bitter because of what they've experienced and when they speak negative to others it's because they're truly hurting inside i there's a word or a phrase that i remember people saying um those who bite have been bitten and so those who have been hurt want to hurt others. It's almost like an automatic response. They learn life a certain way. And so they lash out at others because of their experiences and the pain that they're going through. And that's why if we always go back to people, no matter what they're saying or doing to us, and we always come at them out of love and try to come at them in understanding who they are and where they're coming from and what they might be living through and living with or what what walking in their shoes are like or what their what their culture or their background might be like i think life would be a much better place if we first paused and prayed i always told my taught my kids stop i use the word acronym stop stop so s stop like just T, take a time out and think, O, observe, and then P, pray. So you do all four of those things before you ever even respond, and your response will be different. So always stop, stop, think, observe, and pray, and then your speech will be with more love and understanding and will tear down any walls. Mm -hmm. That is a great, you know, like the stop that I really liked that. And we are running out of time and we do have another segment and it's a new one today. So you guys are going to be super excited for this. But I just wanted to conclude this part with a Bible verse and that's Romans 8.34. And we are talking about, you know, standing up, for, but also for other people. Because if you're in a situation and you see somebody else, who's getting mistreated, then definitely go and stand up for them. Try to defend them as a Christian, though. Make sure you're doing it in the right way. And I don't, like, don't be going throwing punches or anything. Just using your words in the right way to um, help somebody. And I love this Bible verse, and it's, Who then? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So Christ is up there and he's sitting by God and he's He's defending us and he's helping us every single day. And I thought that was just a great Bible verse to conclude this part of this um, interview with. Amen. I wanted to share that with you. Thank you for sharing, Chloe. Amen. That was wonderful. Thank you. And I actually just learned that in school. So I'm, I mean, I just thought that was kind of funny because I mean, what we're talking about yeah. is just tough. So I just thought that I'd see something interesting to throw in there. And as I said, we have a new segment today. And I'm saying this segment as often, but it is going to be a fun 
segment. It is Bible trivia, and I'm pretty excited, and we are going to be doing that today. And how it will work is today our topic is going to be Jesus. So all of the trivia questions have to do with Jesus. And Miss Lisa, are you ready? Oh boy, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm as ready as I can be, I guess. So how it will work is it's just going to be five trivia questions that you just have to answer. And most of them are pretty easy, so I think we're going to have a great time doing this. Our first one is, how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Yes, I know. I think that's, that's probably the easiest question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that question because I knew the answer. <laughs> you giving me questions that I know the answer to, Chloe. Well, the second one is, what city was Jesus born in? Okay, so I always remember... Um, how in the Bible says Jesus of Nazareth. So he was a Nazarene. Am I right? He was born in Bethlehem? Yes. Okay. okay. I, I know this is what I get sometimes because when I was getting ready to write this question down, I was like, yep, he was born in Nazareth. And I was like, oh, wait. And then I looked at it and double checked and I was like, oh, shoot, it was actually in Bethlehem. So yeah. I would have gotten that one wrong if that was me. Yeah, so I'm thinking Naz Nazareth is uh, maybe bigger than Bethlehem, right? I would have to look that up on a map somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, kind of like I, a city and a county almost, or a town and a county. I don't know. I have no <laughs> yeah. We'll go with Bethlehem. <laughs> yes, that's the correct answer. How did Jesus sig excuse me, let me restart this question. How did Judas signal Jesus' identity to the Roman officials? How did Judas signal Jesus' identity to the Roman officials? Oh boy, you know, I don't I don't know that one. That's okay. I, this one, okay, so I was actually looking at this. And I found this very interesting. And I mean, obviously, I don't know if the site that I found this at, if this is ex actually true or not. But apparently, according to the site, when Jesus was on earth, he could change what he would look like. So my guess is that the 12 disciples would just know what he looked like. So then the officials didn't really know. So it is that he kissed him on the cheek in greeting, which was custom at the time. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, I don't know if that's really true, if Jesus really was changing his, what he looked like while he was on earth. Um, my guess is that he probably didn't really do that. But I just thought it was interesting. That well, it, yeah, and I think that you're speaking um, specifically to when, if, if, if I'm correct in, in reading into this, is that that might be when Judas kissed Jesus on the cheek. Like you said, um, that, that was the signal. And I think it was when Judas, um, who betrayed Jesus, uh, wasn't it for the coins, um, that that's how he, that's how he signaled to, yes, the Roman officials that, yes, that was Jesus. Um, yeah. Yes. With that, and something that I just want to add on to this is that it says in the Bible, um, you know, he betrayed him for like 30 silver coins, I think is what it was. And back at the time, that's like the price of a servant. So I guess what I, my thought has always been on the matter is that, um, that is such a low price. Like if that's all you're like, I mean, that's such a low price that you're trading, you're betraying the son of God for a servant. So, I mean, my opinion, I just thought that was crazy. And yeah. later that he didn't, he felt really guilty about it. So he threw it in the temple and then um, he got rid of it. But either way, I think I thought that was just something fascinating to know. Now, the next question is, who baptized Jesus? John. Was yes. it John? Okay. John was it John? John the Baptist? Yeah. I mean, there's, okay. there's John the Baptist. 
Yes. Baptist. Now, I find this interesting about John the Baptist is that he ate honey and locusts. So something that I'm curious about is what was the main meal that people like, like, I don't want to say normal people because there's really no normal people, but what, what were anybody else eating during that time period? Because I don't really think that they mention much about food in the Bible, but that is something that I've been very curious about ever since I really started thinking about that. Yeah, the thought of eating a locust doesn't sound very appealing to me. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not vegan right now, so, you know, oh. that's even worse, you know, yeah. eating. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we'll have to research for sure. It's a good yeah. question about what the food or staple was like. Uh, yes, and this is kind of random, but in, in second grade, I think it was, we were watching this show, and it was that, some places that they actually will like they'll put bugs in their bread at some um, place like ew, i was so grossed out by that but i thought that was that just made me think of that oh goodness yeah no not, not for me <laughs> either our final question what is the first miracle that jesus performed that is recorded in the bible okay i think that that one is I hope I'm right. Let me see. Is when he turned water into wine. Yes. Yay! I love this story. Now I don't. I don't. I can't recall if the Bible directly says Jesus. It was his first miracle that he performed. If it says that in the Bible or not, because you know there is the Bible verse that says you know not all of his miracles were recorded, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of Man. You know all that good stuff. And I thought, you know, wow, like. Um, that's so many different miracles that he's performed. And I was learning about this the other day, but I guess that they were saying that if every miracle that Jesus performed was recorded, then there wouldn't be any room for any more books because there'd be so many um, recordings of all the different miracles that Jesus performed. So I thought that was just something fascinating to our conversation as we get ready to close out here. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I believe it and agree that it, it is so vast what he did when he was on earth with us. And I do have to say, it could be a trick question too, Chloe, because when I think about his miracles, just the fact that he came to be with us was a miracle. Yes, definitely. So birth really could be argued as the first miracle. Mm -hmm, I agree. And just thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such an awesome episode and it's been incredibly fun. And if you guys want to check out podcasts, you got to check them out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Break, and much more. Just search it up on Google. You'll find And I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. And make sure that you remember that in all you do, you do it all for God's glory. Mm -hmm.